0: And in six weeks into the offseason, we do have a hire. (laughs) Hallelujah. Eddie Garrison and Kevin Bowen, we are here in studio. That is Eddie Garrison, the other clapping you heard. I am Kevin Bowen. Back another edition of Kevin's Corner, Uh, Shane Steichen, the new head coach of the Indianapolis Colts at the age of 37. He becomes the youngest head coach in Indianapolis Colts history. I think Don Shula, if you go back to the Baltimore Colts a hair younger, and the third youngest in the NFL right now behind Kevin O'Connell and Sean McVay. Laying out the, the uh, plan for today's podcast, uh, I just got back from the Steichen press conference with Chris Boward and Jim Ursay. So we'll focus a little bit more later in the pod on those comments. First time here from Steichen and, of course, Boward and Irsay. Uh, but right off the jump here, Eddie, let's focus on Steichen as a hire. And obviously we'll get to the Twitter questions you know I think throughout the process and I thought honestly Chris Bauer kind of said this today, you know you're not gonna necessarily kind of put yourself into one corner as okay only offensive coaches you know or or those sorts of things, but boy, it is an added bonus and when you look at the landscape of the AFC and all the quarterbacks that made the playoffs this year and all of them being you know 27 or younger and you look at the trend of the offensive coaches in today's NFL, This guy's resume has a lot that you like about that, a lot. And when we laid out the pros and cons on last week's podcast, it's not the quarterbacks. It's not the fact that he's been a quarterback's coach. You know, him and Brian Callahan, the quarterback resume, right next to each other. To me, Eddie, it's the diverse aspect to those three quarterbacks. Agreed. Obviously, get into all of that on the podcast. It's the diverse fact. Of the offensive systems he's been in, it's a comment North Turner made earlier today. You don't see a guy with two young quarterbacks, and Justin Herbert and Jalen Hurts have success in two different systems, mm-hmm. and yet he's already done that with rookie, de- you know, on both of those rookie deals. In Herbert's case, his rookie season. So, I just think there's a lot to like about him offensively, innovative. I thought he made a pretty good first impression uh, today, uh, but just in general, Eddie. Your thoughts.
1: He was my number one candidate the entire time. I always had the sense that he was the lead candidate. I never got the sense that Jeff Saturday was really the favorite during any of this, based off the people that I talked to. Uh, I basically had the feeling it was Steichen, Morris and then the wild card of Rich Basaccia kind of those final three. I thought Callahan was an interesting one for them, but I think they liked the resume of comparison and the offensive mind like you noted. Um, of Shane Steichen compared to Callahan, uh, and then the leadership quality of Shane, of uh, Rich Basaccia, I think was really, really intriguing to Chris Ballard and company. I was really impressed with what he had to say, not really with what he had to say, but how he had to say uh, everything during the press conference today. Love the hire. Uh, I'm just ready now for it to be April so we can uh, find out who the quarterback is to fit the marriage of Shane Steichen and future QB.
0: Yeah, I thought that was a good way you said that uh, of how he sounded today. We'll get more into that in a few minutes. But, you know, again, let's just focus here on Steichen as the hire um, to begin the pod. If you don't get quarterback figured out, you're screwed. Yep. I mean, just to kind of summarize it shortly, that's it. This isn't Tony Dungy walking in with Peyton Manning already here in 2001. You know, you've know, you got to go out and you've got to find that quarterback. So I think that adds to it. I was talking with somebody who's on the Chargers staff with Steichen, um, and pretty much said, I like the hire, really smart guy, but I like it even more considering the need at quarterback. Yeah. Like it, that just kind of adds to it. Again, a variety of styles, a variety of personalities at quarterback as well, and Phillip Rivers and Justin Herbert and Jalen Hurts. And again, look at all three. You know, Rivers, more of a North Turner offense, more of a pocket passer, of course, extreme intellect. Then you go to Jalen Hurts, and let's not forget, Eddie, about Jay or excuse me, Justin Herbert. Let's not forget Justin Herbert was not the week one starter for the Chargers as a rookie. Yeah. It was Tyrod Taylor. So it's not like Herbert got all these great offseason reps with the starting unit. And then you have the freak accident of the who knows if it was an accident now now looking back on it, but you know, Tyrod Taylor gets shot up before that game. Punctures his lung or something yeah. like that, yeah. All of a sudden Herbert's starting. Herbert plays well, he keeps the job and he was the offensive rookie of the year 31 touchdowns 10 interceptions that is a crazy good ratio for again a guy that wasn't supposed to be the week one starter for the the franchise and then obviously he transitioned to Jalen Hurts and when Nick Sirianni gave him the play calling duties you know about the midway point of last season that would have been the 2021 year just to clarify uh, they won six of seven at one point down the stretch. They mm-hmm. made the playoffs, and obviously, you carried into this year where Hertz becomes an MVP candidate. Um,
1: I think the run game even took off a with underneath Steichen, right? In comparison to previously with Sirianni, too. And,
0: and so, I think you know this is a guy that obviously is very confident in his play calling. He will call plays. We'll get more into that, you know, when we talk about some of the presser thoughts there uh, coming up here in a bit. But again, what he did with the three quarterbacks, him and Rivers remain very close to this day. I think that tells me something that Philip Rivers does not hang out with milk toast football people. You better be high football intellect to hang out with Philip Rivers, and that is what he brings to the table here in Shane Steichen. I one of the things on you know Steichen's resume that I find one of the more interesting is. He you know, he played quarterback at UNLV, Eddie. When he was at UNLV, Norv Turner's son, Scott, was also mm-hmm. there. Norv Turner gave Shane Steichen his first job in the NFL on the defensive side of the ball. You know, here's a guy that is hiring what, a 20, I mean, whatever Steichen was, 24, 25. I think he was a grad assistant at UNLV for a couple seasons after he got done playing. You're hiring a 24, 25 year old to your NFL staff and he was a quarterback in college, and you're hiring him to be a defensive assistant. Like that just goes to show you that college year Shane college year Shane Steichen left an impression on a very respected NFL head coach. Yeah. To the point where he's willing to put him on the other side of the ball. You know, that's not offensive quality control, it's not offensive assistant, it's not assistant quarterback's coach, whatever label, low level label you want to throw on it. You're hiring him to be a defensive assistant. And Steichen has been very honest. He did that for two years. That, he thinks, helped him kind of look at the game in a different way. Of like, okay, how do I want to dictate to a defense? What do these tendencies mean defensively? Yeah, Um, Him and Rivers still look at film uh, on a a weekly basis. uh, Together, kind of breaking it down from almost that side of it as well, which I thought was really, really fascinating. Um, You brought up, you know, the Eagles are certainly a pretty good run team. They run it in a very unique way. I think having Jalen Hurts helps out. You know, when you look at them on Sunday night, Eddie, and I know a lot of Colts fans probably paid a little bit more attention to the game for A, it's a Super Bowl, and B, you know, Shane Steichen is about to be your head coach. What I see when I watch the Eagles is I see aggressive, I see uber innovative, I see very good situationally. And there was a moment, and I thought Greg Olson did a really good job pointing this out. There was a moment on Sunday night where, you know, to me, the play of the game is not necessarily the holding penalty late. It's Jalen Hurts' fumble. You know, Hurts has that fumble. The false start. And it was a false start on third and one, which, you know, they're getting ready to do their usual sneak, which, again, is such a great play and so effective. And it comes to be third and six, and Hurts fumbles. And the very next play after the Hurts fumble is Shane Steichen dialing up a designed run for Hurts. Your quarterback just dropped the ball. In the Super Bowl. Literally. And you literally. And you are showing no fear, no hesitancy, no scared sort of approach to him. There's no like, hey, let's get Miles Sanders a touch, or maybe a quick one to A. J. Brown on the outside, and let's get back into rhythm. Let's stay ahead of the chains here. No, the design run by Hertz. And I think the next play is when they took a shot down the field. So right away chain chained Steichen saying to, you know, our best player. In the biggest moment that he's ever been in, we believe in you. We're fine. It's just one play, and obviously the Eagles responded quite well. Now you know we don't know how the game ended, but uh, that was something that really stood out to me um, about Sunday night. You know, I, I I think he comes like Brian Callahan. He comes from a team that certainly understands the importance of skill, and they are loaded at both wideout spots. And honestly. Tight end, too. I'm going to give him a co-MVP to A.J. Brown and Dallas Goddard if the Eagles would have won that game. You, you you saw what Goddard did. So I think and hope the emphasis will be there to the GM, and we need more dudes because we don't have enough dudes right now. Um, and I would say before the press conference today, in talking to people that have been with him in the Chargers or have just been around Shane Steichen more than I have, it is a really passionate, Really smart individual that if you're going to have Nick Sirianni cussing out Colts fans and crying during the National Anthem at one end of the spectrum and Frank Reich at the other end of the spectrum, Shane Steichen's going to be a little bit more Sirianni than he is Reich. And and I think you can kind of see that. I think you can hear that today in the press conference. I think if you watch any sort of, you know, mic'd up stuff with him, you do see a little bit of fire. Again, I don't think it's you know, shit hits the fan and he's throwing stuff through through windows or anything. I, I don't think it's an, an absurd level of Bob Knight, but I do <laughs> think, and it's a question that I asked him today during the press conference about what, it, what was the biggest thing that you learned from Nick, and he was adamant it was about the accountability. Yeah. And if you don't have that, you got no chance as a leader. So I think all of those things um, really stand out to me. Um you know, other stuff Eagles wise, I just love what they do pre snap. I love the motion. I mean it's they just cater to Jalen Hurts so well. And again, I know I'm starting to get into kind of press conference answers, but when you hear Shane Steichen talk about the offense in the quarterback position, Eddie, he talks about it in a very modern way. Yeah. You know, we are going to, you know, throw the football to score points and run the football to win. I mean, that, that's a modern approach. Uh, he specifically mentioned with Herbert and Hertz, it's let's watch Oregon film, let's watch Alabama-Oklahoma film, Yeah. what do they do well, and let's implement that. Yeah. And, and that's exactly how you have to do it. And that's the stability and the continuity that you need to provide, again, the most important position in sports. You know, I was thinking yesterday... Um, I was trying to remember which year it was, because I remember specifically Frank Reich talking about Shane Steichen in a press conference with the Colts. And I'm trying to think, well, you know, Frank got fired before the Eagles game this year, so it wouldn't have been this year. Like, when would that have been? So I went back to 2019 and found a quote from Frank. Uh, This is when Shane Steichen became the interim play caller for Rivers and the Chargers in 2019. Yeah, And so Reich was asked about it, and I'll just read... That that quote here This is Frank Reich on Steichen He's a really, really smart, good football coach A really good mind He played quarterback in college I would categorize him as one of the young, bright minds in this league Much like Nick Sirianni I mean, he and Nick are a lot alike So you guys know what I think of Nick And I put Shane kind of in that same category um,
1: That's fine, by the
0: way Yeah, I I got lucky on that one But um, yeah, I was fortunate to, to dig that one up I see that quote, Eddie, and I think to myself, you know what? One of my first thoughts was, Wait, why didn't Shane Steichen— why wasn't he the O.C. high over Sirianni back in 2018? Mm-hmm. Steichen is more quarterback background. Sirianni's not really quarterback background. Other positions on offense, wide receiver mainly. And, he, again, he is a little bit more fiery. And he had been with Frank, I think, a little bit longer. So I think those are probably some of the reasons that you um, that you had that in there. So, um yeah, those, I guess, are really the big things that stood out to me, kind of non-press conference related. I'll throw out the couple quotes that um, the Colts have sent out by, from Philip Rivers and Norv Turner real quick. Uh, Rivers, within the quote, he goes, his offensive mind and feel for calling a game is elite. Again, Philip Rivers, folks, they are not hanging out with <laughs> just chumps. They're not hanging out with you and me, Eddie. Phil no. Rivers is not talking football with you and me. And so this is a bright football mind. And now you've got a lot of bright football minds. You know, Obviously you're going to have to find that happy balance between being that but not being too crazy intellect guy and you just talk over everybody's head. That's yeah. going to be a big part of being a leader. And we'll get to that here in just a few minutes. And then the Norv Turner thing, he kind of pointed out what I mentioned earlier about, again, doing what he did with Herbert and doing what he did with Jalen Hurts. Um, anything else Steichen hire related before we get to the presser?
1: I don't think I have anything.
0: I'll add one more. You mentioned some of those finalist names. Um, I do think Aaron Glenn was a was a rather legit candidate.
1: I do, too. Um, I, I do think he left a pretty strong impression. That name wasn't tossed in there during the press conference for nothing.
0: No, no, yeah. I mean, him, Basaccia, and, and Raheem Morris were the three that were tossed in there by the big guy, by Jim Mercey. Um, so with that, I guess let's get into the presser uh, Just first a little bit of a lay of the land I know some people are always curious about like what these things look like um, By my count, um, you had Gus Bradley You had Bubba Ventrone You had Ron Milas You had several other of the defensive staff members I didn't see anybody offensively in the room, not that you would from a staff member standpoint. Uh, you know, Shane Second would not comment about hiring Gus Bradley. Their history is quite evident, four years together with the Chargers. Um, you know, if you think back to the game with the Eagles this season, you know, first off Shane had some nice things to say about Gus Bradley before that game. Yeah. You know, hell of a football coach, hell of a human being. I mean, Eddie, the Colts did hold the Eagles to 17 points in that game, the lowest they scored all year with Jalen Hurts under center. So clearly that was a strong impression. Um, I think Gus Bradley did a really nice job this season. I, I, I hesitate to act like this is the 85 Bears. or I, I think at times you know, Colts fans are a little bit too crowning with Gus Bradley. I would like a little bit more of an attacking style, frankly, mm-hmm. from that defense. But I, I can probably live with it. Um, so those are just some of my thoughts, and we'll see if you know, he does retain that staff. The linebackers, Coach Richard Smith, the DB, Coach Ron Miles, both of them were also with the Chargers, so, uh, so Steichen would know those guys. Uh, players, I saw Michael Pittman, uh, Bernard Ryman, taquan Lewis. That's a bit odd. Uh, Quentin Nelson. I assume Lewis is in the building to rehab. That could be uh, torn patella for him. Uh, he's a free agent, so I, is that where you find it odd? Yeah, that he'd be in there as a yeah. free agent. Yeah, again, you know, some of
1: these guys. And, and I, I guess he just wouldn't be a guy that I would have thought of to be there. I'd expect like a Pittman or Jonathan Taylor or yeah. Quentin I think it's Nelson. Pretty
0: intense rehab. Those pillar guys, yeah. And then you know, a lot of this Eddie is like, and these guys are scattered across the country. You know, I know a lot of people are probably like, wait, why wasn't this guy there? Why wasn't that guy there? I mean, the Colts were so quiet about this. I mean, they didn't want to confirm it. I think they finally kind of gave some hints to it yesterday. But, you know, these guys aren't necessarily just going to be like, oh, let me hop on a plane to come watch Shane Steich and talk to the media for 15 minutes. Yeah. You know, you you don't necessarily need or, or, or have to do that for what it's worth. Basically, Jim Ursay laid out the timeline like this. They interviewed Shane Steichen originally on Zoom. I want to say it was January 14th, I believe. A month that was ago. By weekend. You know, Eagles got the bye. Yeah, a month ago. Yeah, nice. Uh, and then they had the big interview with him a week ago, Friday, Saturday. That was right before Philly left to go to Arizona for the Super Bowl. Ursay said he sat down with them Friday in Philadelphia. Extremely impressed. Very fast mind. That was the phrase that kind of jumped out to me about how Ursay described Steichen. And then the next day, Chris Ballard and other Colt staff members met in person with Shane. And, you know, the typical things you would expect from a high integrity, high character standpoint. You know, they align philosophically, Steichen and Ballard. Um, again, I I want to see some pushback from the head coach with how Chris Ballard has handled Mm -hmm. things from a Mm -hmm. personnel standpoint. So that is a comment that I hear. And and yeah, I mean, you certainly want your GM and your head coach to be on the same page in so many ways, but don't think for one second how Chris Ballard has built this roster is how it needs to continue to be built. Like, oh yeah, just give me another six years and we'll be there. No, I mean, (laughs) that would be foolish to think that that is going to be what wins in today's NFL, and that's why I really appreciate I hear I hear old school when I hear Ballard, and really when I see Ballard um, act with his roster. When I hear Shane Steichen talk and know where he's been, I see new school, and, and I think that's what you need. You need an injection of that within your franchise. Now, obviously, how, how all that plays out will be fascinating to see unfold. Um, I think, what else? Oh, I guess we should talk about Steichen. Yo, Shane Second's getting ready to speak, Eddie, and I'm thinking to myself, holy hell. Like, you imagine the last 48 hours for him? Hell, it's not even been 48 hours. No. He just goes from calling plays in the biggest game of his life, the emotional letdown of blowing a 10 point halftime lead, you know, whatever transpires in a losing team party for the Super Bowl. Yeah. To being multiple time zones away from. Your old home in Philly, and now your new home in Indianapolis. That awkward period Monday of like, man, don't you want to still like go talk to some of your guys and and you just you can't decompress at all. And he mentioned it during the press conference. He went back at one o'clock or at eleven o'clock today, right before the press conference started, and he watched the first quarter of the Super Bowl. He still hadn't sat down, yeah, and, and watched it. And then obviously he's preparing for the biggest public moment of his life. I. I don't know, I don't know Shane Steichen's speaking resume, but today might have been the most people he's ever spoken in front of. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just, in terms of how many people in a room, obviously how many people were watching yeah, or listening. They had, they had a lot of people in that room. There were a lot of people in that room. Yeah, it always has kind of a mini pep rally feel to it at, at times. But um, I, I, it doesn't shock me he was overwhelmed with emotion. Like he was, and thanking all the people. I thought that was a really nice gesture. He thanked every single Eagles offensive player. I mean, yeah. he did not just say Jalen Hurts and AJ, but he saved Jalen Hurts to last. Um, I thought that was a really, really nice gesture there.
1: And the players with the Chargers too. That he, you know, he Yeah, Rivers too.
0: and Gates and and Keenan Allen that he mentioned. I think
1: it's, he even mentioned Mike Williams there too. Maybe and, and I don't again, know him
0: and Rivers. I, I can't stress enough. They are extremely close. His four pillars, you know, a lot of this can get into kind of coach speak, so I don't want to, you know, stress it too much, but character, preparation, consistency, and relentlessness. Preparation, he was adamant, that is the separator in the NFL, he believes. What do you do Monday through Saturday? And I would agree a lot with that statement. Me too. I think what's so fascinating about the NFL is what do you see – Drawn up Monday through Saturday And the execution of that on Sunday I thought Greg Olson and Kevin Burkhardt And really Fox in general Did a terrific job illustrating a lot of that In the Super Bowl Mm -hmm. Of these are the Eagles' tendencies This is how we can still get Travis Kelsey open When we bring this guy in motion Sky Moore, Kadarius, Tony They usually pass those off We're going to make this little wrinkle to it And hopefully it'll work And
1: not to get too much in the weeds here But Eric Biennemi was the one who discovered that yeah. for Kansas City and he discovered it uh back when he was watching a Jacksonville game and that's they did it with Jamal Agnew and he goes we're going to implement this into the game plan
0: and we're going to do it fascinating stuff yeah you know it, it's really fascinating and obviously it's so huge in the NFL when parity is all over the league you know, I'll say this about Shane Steichen's words. And again, I don't want to overreact to a press conference. I mean, Same. we saw that with what happened with Nick Sirianni. But this is probably the last public setting we see Shane Steichen in until you know he'll join us on the morning show, and we'll play that audio here on the podcast at some point. We'll hear him at the Combine. But you know, really, we aren't going to see him in a big press conference setting again until maybe the draft, maybe OTAs. What I was struck by today was this is a very smart dude that does not need to talk a lot to sound smart. Yeah. We've all been around those people. They just yeah. talk and talk. And you're like, ah, at times you're like, man, that kind of sounds smart. Or they feel like they need to talk to sound smarter. They feel like they need to say a lot to sound smarter. Shane Sykin is about to be the leader of an NFL football team. You have got to be direct with your communication. I would argue you've got to be concise with your communication mm-hmm. because we all have been 22, 23, 24-year-old humans. Uh, intention spans are not going to be lasting too, too long. And I just felt like Shane Steichen does not waste words. No. Nope. There were some questions that you could tell he didn't really want to answer, and he gave two or three sentence answers and moved right on. And, and he, he's got a pace to how he talks as well, but if you ask him a very specific question, He'll give you a very honest answer and a very direct answer. Um, you know, from a tone standpoint, you know, I, I, you know, it's not like he has these crazy kind of highs and lows, and he's super, you know, body languagey with his, with with how he talks. But I can see why he is an effective communicator. Mm-hmm. And Devontae Smith and Jalen Hurts, I know, both have been on the record saying things like that. They really appreciate how he communicates, and obviously, he's running a lot of those offensive meeting rooms. You know, from a Monday through Saturday standpoint, for the Eagles there. Um, I, I, I could see some stern. I could see some fire. Again, I don't think it's just going to be Bob Knight to be Bob Knight. Um, but he definitely, you can feel his intelligence. Mm-hmm. You can feel it, and I think you can feel a, if I'm sitting in that room, I'm going to believe what you're saying.
1: To me, when I was listening and watching, <clears throat> it felt like he was a guy that's like, I don't really care to do these things, kind of like Mike Woodson esque. I don't care to do these interviews. I've like, Got to do them because I have to do them. But really, I prefer to just sit down, watch football, study football, and you know, build an offense, game plan, or whatever the case is.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think I don't think he's going to be going out of his way to doing a ton of media by any means. Um, and I just felt like he was not there to waste anybody's time. Right. And there are some times where you feel people in press conference settings answer questions, Eddie, and after a minute thirty, they're done answering and you go back and you transcribe and you're like, That person said nothing. Like if, if Shane Sagan wants to say nothing, it's over in fifteen seconds. Plus, I mean he But if he wants to say something, he he'll say it in thirty or thirty five and, and you'll go back and you'll be like, Oh wow. There's a lot there.
1: I think he has a journalism degree, so I think he, he totally understands yeah. what you guys are about and what you guys need from Runnin him. Running
0: Rebels journalism program. Yeah. The 12th all-time leading passer, if I'm not mistaken, in UNLV history. Um, quarterback traits. Accuracy, decision-making, ability to create. He obviously mentioned the above-the-neck. you got to be obsessed with the craft so we can dive deeper into those comments when it's time to get a little bit closer into the draft. He will call plays. I certainly have a question about just managing game day responsibilities. I think a hire he's got to make is just simply human being in the press box that's only job is to yell at you when to call timeouts, yell at you when to throw challenge flags, yell at you when to contact officials, all mm-hmm. of those things. Like, you need somebody up there that... Purely does that and hell, put somebody on the sidelines that can help communicate that in case you're, you know, two in the weeds offensively. But you guys know my concerns I had with Frank Reich on that. Uh, clearly, you know he thinks, you know, and feels very confident in his play calling. And again, there obviously are play callers in the league that have had great success in calling plays. But you know the delegation of in-game responsibilities and those things I think are really important because I think Nick Sirianni is a really good situational coach. And that's something that you need to make sure that you have here. You know, Again, I asked him about Sirianni and the biggest influence, and he was abundantly clear, again, direct, spoke with conviction, accountability. You've got to hold people accountable. That is the biggest thing. As a first-year head coach, he said he experienced from Sirianni and that this is a player-to-coach, player-to-player, coach-to-coach, all of those things. But if somebody does something wrong, you gotta let them know.
1: Seventeen offensive-minded head coaches. Fifteen call plays.
0: Yeah, I remember you saying that to me the other the other.
1: And the only uh, two are in the same division, and one of them may have to start calling plays again.
0: Refresh my memory on that.
1: The two that do not call plays: Dayball
0: and Sirianni. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and obviously Dayball might have to after next year, depending on what happens with Mike Mike Kafka. Um, so yeah, I think those kind of covers everything, Eddie. From a um, oh, we do, there
1: is one press conference thought.
0: Are we gonna go with the you old, know that you
1: know that Alabama guy? He's a, he looks
0: pretty good. The old draft comments on that. I, I I tried to go back and watch. I I would really love to see a screen grab of all three of their reactions to it. For those that are unfamiliar with what we're talking about. Um, at one point, Jim Ursay was asked about just kind of quarterback with the franchise and this hire and the meaning of that. And, you know, Ursay starts talking and he starts talking. The next thing you know, he's talking about the draft. The next thing you know, he's talking about trading up. And clearly he's getting to a point where Chris Ballard doesn't want him to say anything more. Trading up and so or Ballard, staying pat. Ballard interjects and, you know, or trading back and says, or trading back. And he also winks. To the crowd, for those that missed it. Oh, that was
1: not on the camera. So,
0: a very subtle trade back and a wink comment out of Chris Ballard, which, again, that is very much Ballard and being And then Urse goes, we all know Chris likes those picks. And Urse says that, um, and then Urse then also responds with, the Alabama guy doesn't look bad, I tell you." So, a reference there to Bryce Young. I. <laughs> these are my thoughts on that comment. I... I would be stunned and shocked if Jim Irsay, Chris Boward, and Shane Steichen are huddled up in the indoor facility before the start of the press conference and says, watch this, I'm going to screen him <laughs> at one point during the presser. We're going to get asked about a draft question, Chris. You interject, you say trade back, and I'm going to say the Alabama guy, someone that I really like. Maybe I'm not giving Jim Irsay enough credit, but again, I would be stunned if that was the case. It is going to be... Chris Ballard's biggest job between here and April 28, whenever it is, April 20-something or other, will be to make sure that it does not get out their interest in quarterback. Combine
1: in a couple weeks, too, right? Combine? Yeah, a couple weeks, right?
0: Yeah, the start of the combine? Yeah. I mean, I'll never forget, Eddie, Ballard, through Ursay, basically at the start of of the regime, saying... Sending a memo to the entire staff of the Colts. Loose lips sink ships and football teams. And it was, we're talking underline, caps lock, keep Colts information within our building. No employee should communicate with outside media about anything having to do with our organization without prior authorization from senior management. I mean, it was, whoa, you know, it, it was one of those, like, jolts. Yeah. So, again, and for the most part, I think Bowers done a, Wonderful job at it. I mean, look at how much of the coaching information leaked out. It was very difficult, yeah, to crack that. And as it should be, that's got to be hugely important for uh, the Colts to try and accomplish here over the next couple of weeks. Is there, you know, interest from the owner and Bryce Young? Sure. And I, I think we got a Shane Steichen question and Twitter questions about like, you know, who, draft yep. wise, does he match up with? So I'll, I'll kind of hold off on that. But I really believe this. I think each, I think all three of them will get a vote, and I think you'll tally up who has the most votes. Maybe I'm wrong on that, but if Bryce Young has two and CJ Stroud has one,
1: or Anthony Richardson or Will Levis. Richardson,
0: and you know all those things, I I watched Sunday night, and Eddie, sure, Bryce Young and Patrick Mahomes can make some plays with their legs; they're pretty darn special. But you know what? Those two can fit some balls in windows, yeah, that not a lot of guys can. <laughs> yeah. And I just keep on coming back to that. I apologize for my 12-year-old laughter there. Yeah, that's felt like I was back with my morning producer, Mark, Mark Dykton. We're trying to be serious here. You know, Young children could be in the car listening to this. Um, they wouldn't know what I'm talking about here. You have, and this is kind of a baller quote, at some point you've got to throw from the pocket. At some point you get relegated to be a pocket passer. Obviously we didn't see it with Mahomes. But at one point your ankle's just not going to work in the second half of a game because you, you tweaked it. And can you be effective as a throwing quarterback? Um, so, yes, mobility is a big thing. It's something that you want to have and you need. But also, I think we saw it on Sunday night. Whew. Drop those balls in the buckets, man. Ready for Twitter questions? Anything else from the press conference that stood out to you? Or are you ready to get into Twitter questions? I'm ready to Shane go. in. Sykin made it very clear that he did not want to even sniff going down the What did you hear about this organization before you interviewed here? And did that cause you any sort of reservations about taking this job? Like, kind of, did Nick Cerrani tell you bad things about the Colts? Um, He did not step that. Shane Syken is going to be a tough one to crack. You aren't going to get anything by him.
1: He's an onion. You got to peel him back a layer uh, at a time.
0: And it, it might be a lot of peeling before we before we get to him.
1: Oh, one final thing here before the Twitter questions. The Jeff Saturday video.
0: How I How about l- that? 4 minutes before the press conference starts.
1: I literally laughed out loud when he gave a shout out to the fans who signed the petition. How
0: about that? And I believe he referenced his uh his wife, wife and his and, and he his said, son. "Yeah." How great was that? Yeah saturday he was out it looked like he was fishing right i i don't know if he was out fishing or if he just has a lake house somewhere that's pretty good service he's got you know if he's able to fire off that tweet Uh, do we have a jeff saturday related twitter question i don't know if not feel free to interject at some point and i'll give you my saturday thoughts on what he's going to do next
1: okay yeah i don't see one off first glance here
0: okay so let's just do it now um financially and oh life. yes
1: yeah i see one now we there it is okay. yeah right. yeah
0: yeah all right let's uh let's, let's jump into twitter questions uh, ben is up
1: first. Shatane Steichen aggressively pursue Greg Roman, the former offensive coordinator of the Baltimore Ravens. He crafted the best running game in the NFL over the last four seasons and was an integral part in developing Lamar Jackson as a passing quarterback. I see a lot of parallels between the Ravens' offensive system and the Colts' future offensive system with a mobile QB.
0: You know, that is... Um that's a good question. Greg Roman of course has a lot of history in the NFL being a coordinator and being at a very high level. Uh, what about hesitancy and coming here and calling plays for or not not calling plays, I should say. Yeah. You know, would that, you know, create some pause. You know, Jonathan Gannon just got the job in Arizona. Would that be more attractive to him? And, you know, who knows? We'll see how things play out. It is interesting. Like, will Steichen and Gannon be in a race here to try and fill with Eagles people? <laughs> right. Will that be anything to kind of think about here? Um, Who's you know, the quarterback? Is it Brian Johnson? Yeah, Brian Johnson's our I'm quarterback.
1: I'm interested to see because I think a Rappaport or Schefter had it that he would most likely be back with Philly as their OC um, after the news of the Steichen came out. I
0: Do we have an OC in Carolina yet?
1: I thought they hired um, Deuce here. Staley. As their OC? I don't know if that's hundred percent sure, but I thought he was at least hired onto their staff.
0: Yeah, I saw see your assistant for Jim Caldwell. You know, good to see Caldwell back in the mix. Um, you know, some OC names. You know, he's got history with guys like Mike McCoy and Pep Hamilton. Pep Hamilton, who obviously has history here. Pep Hamilton's worked with young coaches before. The other Colts connection from Philly, which again, I don't really know if this matters, but I I like Jamal Singleton when he was here as the running backs coach. Um, he's currently that with the Eagles. Um, you know, Anthony Lynn, you know, roles would be reversed from what they were in 2020 when Lynn was the head coach. Sputulo, right? Uh, Putulo. Thank you. Yeah, Kevin Putulo. Uh, where does he go? I think he was room with Carolina. Hey, somebody's got to get the promotion in Philly, either him or Brian Johnson. Yeah. And you would think. The other one probably is either going to Carolina, Indy, or Arizona, I guess. Um, and again, is the Arizona one more attractive? Because you would be the calling the plays there versus coming here at Indy where you're not going to be calling the plays. And I don't know. Maybe some coaches look at that as, I'm good with it. I don't want to call plays. It's proven that you can still find a head coaching job, even if you don't call plays. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those are all things to think about with that. Um, but yeah, Roman is a name that I'll be really curious to see where, where he ends up.
1: Hunter's question is next. With Steichen most likely the 2023 head coach in D&D. well, that's confirmed. I don't know what the best quarterback option would be. Is it C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, or Will Levis? I was 100% Will Levis, but now I'm leaning more towards a guy like C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young. Just seems those two would fit Steichen's scheme better. What are your thoughts? You
0: know, Hunter, it's a great question, and this is the beauty of the Shane Steichen hire. Andy, I don't think you're pigeonholed with any of these guys. Mm-hmm. You know, you can make a Philip Rivers comparison to C.J. Stroud. Obviously, Stroud is more of a has the ability to run. Certainly, Philip Rivers never would have done in the college football semifinal what C.J. Stroud did. Um, I think Bryce Young and Jalen Hurts, you see comparisons there as a creator. You know, their, their stature is different, but I think they are great creators. And Will Levis and Justin Herbert, I think, would have a lot... Of similarities as well. So um, there's not a Steichen mold. There's not a Steichen system. I, I would argue what he did with Jalen Hurts was so much more Jalen Hurts-based, yeah. not necessarily philosophically what he unquestionably believes in, but that's the beauty of what he has accomplished in his NFL career. Leadership's going to matter a whole lot, and I know it's a very cliche word, and I know that's Tough, probably for even you and I to judge, because you need to really get in there. I mean, Brian Decker, their personality coach, is going to sift through all these guys and going to talk to them at pro days and bring them in for workouts and all of that, and talk to people at the at those respective schools. That's going to be a huge element of it, and that could be a tiebreaker. You know, with with all of this, and yeah. By all accounts, Hurts is blows people out of the water yeah. in that realm. So clearly, that is something that will resonate a lot with Shane Steichen. But I could be wrong on this, but I think all three of those decision makers will have a vote, and they'll have to decide whether that means we need to trade up or not. Yeah. I You know, I, I love Bryce Young. I love him. I understand the height concerns, and I understand there's a durability question that will be different than one he could answer playing for Alabama and the SEC. I can fully acknowledge that on paper with these 3 and you know if you want to throw Anthony Richards Richardson in there Stroud probably accomplishes the most of I sleep the best at night with that pick and there also is some really nice intrigue you know is that how you look at the CJ Stroud pick whereas the Levis pick or the Richardson pick or the Young pick for very different reasons they all might make you toss and turn a little bit at night But at some point, if you get it right, you could be the one that gets the last laugh. Yeah. So it's just it's an unbelievable debate, and it's what will be the difference for this franchise here for the next five to ten years.
1: I was listening to Mel Kuyper, so take that for a Todd, 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 (laughs) Todd! I was listening to him talk. Yeah, it was pretty good. Um, He said that if Bryce Young gets up to 190, 195, not area when he weighs in uh-huh. at the Combine, he will undoubtedly be the number 1 pick. If he comes in below that, then there's going to be serious consideration for somebody else.
0: Well, you know, maybe Jim Ursay can get him on the weightlifting routine that Irsay used to be on, and now that Irsay has spoken publicly about the Alabama guy, uh, Yeah, again, listen to that, Eddie. How many pound difference did you just say there? I don't know what
1: he was when he was at Alabama, but between 190 and 195 is what he would like to see, Mel Kuyper did, Uh, would like to see Bryce Young-Way
0: come combine time. It's crazy to think that could be the difference, (laughs) you know, in a team giving the stamp of approval.
1: Now, do they have to weigh in at the combine? Because that would—that's be, my I next think you question. Can forego here.
0: anything. I, I know a lot of people have said Bryce Young should gain a bunch of weight, weigh into the combine, don't work out, lose the weight, don't weigh into your pro day, and then work out in the pro day.
1: I was going to say, or you could not weigh in at the combine, continue to add like muscle and weight until your pro day.
0: Yeah, but you could do it. Vice versa. I think the weight question is more of the issue now. So get it out of the way. You know, put that's on the true. weight now and then. You know come draft time or come pro day Pro days are what usually mid to late March Yeah you know, That's typically you know a little bit closer to the draft Now you're at your playing weight And boy there is an element of like Who the hell cares The guy's just a good football player But I get it I get there's prototypes And I get there should be some questions about him physically Uh was that AJ That was AJ yes Uh uh-huh. No okay. that was uh I forget who asked that
1: That was Hunter
0: Hunter Okay. I like that
1: name, a- AJ is next. If Shane Steichen does, he is end up being the next head coach. I would feel comfortable with the Colts staying at four and taking any of the top four quarterbacks. That being said, if there is a guy that they are much higher on than the others, go get your guy. I couldn't agree more.
0: Yep, times a million at the end. Go get your guy. If there is a separator, you go get that guy. You know, if they get three of them to all vote yes on one guy, you go get that guy. You guys have heard me say it a million times this podcast. Kyle Shanahan was not content with Garoppolo. Andy Reid was not content with Alex Smith. Sean McVay was not content with Jared Goff. Yeah. Three brilliant offensive minds. All of those teams traded up for quarterbacks. And Shane Steichen, I think, could look at it and you know hopefully that'll be a collaborative effort where they all agree, if we fall in love with somebody, you got to go up.
1: Hey, Kev. Hope all is well. Good, sir. This is from Tyler.
0: Tyler. Good to hear from you. Could
1: you see any validity to Jeff Saturday being hired as the offensive line coach under Shane Steichen's regime or even as an assistant coach of some sort? Maybe Saturday wouldn't be interested in something like that, even if... It were offered to him, but the argument could be made. The line showed a little improvement once he started his interim role, and some key players speak highly of his leadership and personal connections to the team. Thank you, as
0: always. I appreciate that, Tyler. Um, If Jeff Saturday wants to be a head football coach in the NFL, he needs to go become a position coach. He needs to work his way up. He needs to experience what life is like at a lower level, learn, and show that he's capable of being promoted and and deserving of these deals, and not just be Jim Mersey's friend. Yeah, you know, I I know that you can't really talk about Saturday with sounding, you know, not as critical. And I don't know, maybe I could walk that line a little bit better. But I'm just being honest about the situation. Mm-hmm. Like, there is no team that should or will give him an opportunity to be the head football coach. It, it now I'm laughing about it. It's kind of crazy to think that he thought he deserved that. Um, I think he should go back to ESPN financially. I think it makes a lot of sense. I think he'd bring great experience and great perspective when the time comes for interim <laughs> head coaches and uh-huh. and all of those things. I do. I and and I, I mean that in all seriousness. Um, I was just imagining Jeff Saturday on ESPN.
1: They ask him about the Indianapolis Colts, and he just lets loose. (laughs) He lets loose. You know, this guy, when I was there, he didn't do this. He didn't do that. He didn't listen. He's not
0: a leader. I thought he handled things very, very classy in his whatever that was, 90-second video that he put out today. I thought that was typical Jeff Saturday, what you're used to, And all of those things, and I know he's pissed. I mean, he's pissed at me. He's pissed at a lot of people for, you know, their public comments about him, and um, and just you know, I I don't know, degrading, if you will, what happened there in those two months. As far as bringing him in or keeping him into the organization, you know, part of me wishes we could have got Jim Mersey off to the side today. In a one-on-one setting or a small group setting. Again, to your earlier point, Eddie, in those pep rally type press conferences, first off, it's the first time I've ever talked to Shane Steichen. Let's ask Shane Steichen the questions. But I would have loved to have asked Ursay. Yeah. Will Jeff to have a role within the organization? I think it's awkward and a bit to do that in front of Shane Steichen, Shane Steichen, and or Chris Mallard, Yeah. Uh, to be honest with you, you know, again, I asked Jim Ursay in a very similar setting two months earlier, will Chris Ballard be here? So, I, I guess it's not out of the norm for me to do that, but I, the, the two questions I did ask were more Steichen s- specific, and I felt like, will you call plays, and what did you learn from Nick Sirianni, were two questions that we all want to know. I think Ballard um, was just sitting there like, damn, Kev! <laughs> but yeah, Ballard was probably like, well, thanks for not asking about whiteouts. Um, I'm in the room, gosh dang it! Yeah, I know, I know. and Yeah, I mean, I... We've, we've had a brief text exchange since. Um, <laughs> I just, if I'm Shane Steichen and or Chris out, I don't want Jeff Saturday in the organization right now. That is Green. a lot to look over your shoulder. It's awkward. It's cooks in the kitchen, and it's 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 the Jim Irsay X sitting right there, and you know the Jim Irsay still loves him. Mm-hmm. You know that's just yeah. I, I just Jeff Saturday is a great dude. Has done a ton for this organization, a ton for the NFL. But you know what? See what we got in this Steichen Ballard group, and let Shane Steichen be Shane Steichen, and not have to be worried about Ring of Honor guy that has an important role within the organization.
1: Earlier you teased. Do you have an idea of what he's going to do? And was that going back to ESPN? Was that your idea?
0: I, I, that is my belief. I my, I assume he's going back to ESPN. We'll see if when or. If official word comes out on that but that is the assumption that, I, that i'm under
1: three questions left tanners is up next hey kev i hope you and the family are doing well my question is that since chris ballard was given full control over the new head coaching hire does this lengthen his leash as the general manager this will be the first time where he's getting the first choice or getting his first choice without being left at the altar or owner influence
0: you know, you and I were talking before the pod started, Eddie. With head coaching contracts, it's weird. Sometimes you do see timelines leaked on their contracts, others you don't. Uh, if I'm not, and you've brought this up, right, Eddie? You've art of the impression that Shane Styke and Chris Bott are the same agent? Yeah, I thought I so. So, with that, you know, obviously you don't have the agent trying to appease one side of the media there and doesn't really care what the other side thinks about it. The Ballard leash. Fascinating question, Tanner. Um, I I would think Chris Boward is here for multiple years. Um, I, I, I would assume that he's going to get a couple of years to work with Shane Steichen and a couple of years to let the young quarterback grow. He's under contract through, what, 2026? So that would be four more NFL seasons. Boy, that's a lot. Yeah. I, I think this does lengthen the leash. You know, if Frank Reich is kept, I think the leash inevitably is shorter than what it is right now.
1: Brian is next. Hear me out on this, and I'd love to hear your thoughts. Was Frank Reich kept last year because of the amount of head coaching openings? It seems that the undressing of Jim Ursay after losing out of the playoffs... Was a fi- uh, was a fireable offense. This would help explain Urse getting involved so much this year. Knowing that he had made uh, he had to make the move on from Reich before the season even started. That's my thirty
0: thousand foot view thoughts. It's interesting. Um, you know, if you think back to last year's coaching cycle, you had eight openings, Eddie. That's a lot. Would you have this year five? You know, of the eight, five were offensive coaches, three were defensive coaches. I, I, I will say this, I think Ursay was a lot closer to firing Frank Reich last year or wanting to fire him than maybe picture maybe people believe. Uh, I think some of that was Bauer kinda having to talk him off the ledge a little bit. Yeah, I you know, were a year too late on that, again, it's kinda hard to argue for that. I think hindsight is super twenty twenty. I don't know how many people would have been clamoring, you know. I guess Ursay, you know, to be fair, might have been one of them that were clamoring to fire Frank Reich last January. Um, it, it's not like your locker room responded very well to Frank Reich's firing this year. Maybe they would have responded better with a full off season. Uh, maybe they needed to go through four twelve and one to really be humble by it all, and and, and now they will naturally and appreciate re- it, react and to it, in a sense, or just understand that you know. That standard is not acceptable, and we need to do more and things like that there. So, again, hindsight is really 2020, 20, but I, I do think Jim Irsay was much closer to firing uh, Frank Reich than maybe was let on.
1: Final question goes to Wake Spike. Uh, Ballard sifts through coaches while we watch the Eagles become NFC champions. I ask, how is this man employed still? We had Nick Sirianni and could have drafted Jalen Hurts. His tenure should have ended with the season. Please help me understand this man's continued employment. Um,
0: I, <laughs> You know, it, I think there's other reasons besides the one that Wake Spike points out here. To have reservations about Chris Ballard getting a seventh year. Um, so I don't necessarily... Agree with those specific things And like, oh my gosh, let's crucify the man For that I think there are other reasons to um, You know, have pause and, and question why he should be here um, I guess, Eddie, this is kind of how I feel about it And I said this a month and a half ago When Chris Ballard had a season-ending press conference I guess a little over a month ago When he had a season-ending presser I sat there and thought to myself wow it is amazing this dude's getting a seventh year. Yeah, it's amazing, and the main reasons I point to are the results of one playoff win and no division titles, and more than anything than those first two, it's that now you're trending in this downward direction. You just went 4-12 and one in year six. You have no young quarterback on the roster that you even want to think twice about potentially being your franchise quarterback. You know, if there were, if you had 4-12 and one two years ago, but yet you had this draft pick of like, hey, you know, this this could be a guy that, you know what, you just give him time, the arrow could be pointing up. If that guy would have started the last four games of the season and you liked what you saw and you think there might be something there, mm-hmm. um, you don't have that either. So, that's my thought on it. And again, we will answer Twitter questions because that is a huge part of this show, and I understand where the sentiment of this question is at. And if we continue to get Chris Bauer type questions, we'll continue to throw them on whenever we feel like it is, you know, smart or warranted. Warranted, yeah. But also, Eddie, he's here and he ain't going anywhere. So if you look at it right now with the draft coming up, or I should say free agency coming up in a month, the draft in a little over two months, he's here. He's getting a seventh year at it. You better prove that you can adapt and get your roster back to being an acceptable roster in an AFC that is absolutely loaded. Because as I said earlier, you've got seven AFC teams. All made the playoffs last year. All seven of those quarterbacks are age 27 or younger. Well, Eddie, what if I told you three other quarterbacks will make the playoffs next year? Is this an ESPN 30 for 30? (laughs) That are age 27 or younger. What if I said to Sean Watson and the Browns will make the playoffs? You wouldn't laugh at me. No. What if I said Mac Jones and the Patriots? will get back to the you. playoffs. I'd laugh at you. They did make it the year prior, so they have made it already with him. Or what if I said Kenny Pickett and the Steelers make the playoffs? They were, were not. very, very close. What I'm getting at is there's seven teams that made the playoffs with 27 or younger. There's three more on top of those seven. So there's 10 teams in the AFC right now that you would not burst out laughing if I said they will make the playoffs last year. And all 10 of those teams have a quarterback 27 years old or younger You better get in the dance yeah, Or else you're going to get run off the floor Because you're already way off the floor You've got to do that And that's why this hire in general Bring it full circle I guess to the whole topic of this podcast What Shane Steichen gives you Is he provides He provides that quarterback to walk into a kitchen And there's a lot of ingredients that quarterback Can Can work with Can do something with And that is so critical. And the nice thing is, those ingredients won't necessarily be leaving said kitchen throughout this quarterback's tenure. Basically, what you've said is, Shane Steichen and said quarterback, you are our next era. And it might blow up. It might go horribly. It might go beautifully. But that is the era. And that, I think, is an important step in the 2023 NFL world to create and trying to build the phrase that I've said endlessly of sustained success. We'll see if it works out, but I do think that is the biggest appeal in the Shane Steichen so hire. The fact that you provide that stability and comfort for whatever that quarterback draft pick is going to be, and you have an offensive mind that has the respect of the oldish guard in a Phillip Rivers or a North Turner, which means to earn that respect, you got to be smart. But he also is open minded enough to know what wins in modern. Yeah. And to find that balance. Really, really important. And for 37 years old, it's quite impressive. So, I like what I heard from Shane Steichen today. Uh, Let the fun begin. Six days older than Matt Ryan. I know. It's crazy, man. I mean, hell, he's just a few years older than I am. Wild. Wild. Uh, He's Eddie Garrison. I'm Kevin Bowen. Eddie, next week I will be in Florida. (laughs) What? Yeah. Why? Well... You got to get away after six weeks of this search. No, we we've had this planned with my my side of the family for a while now. Uh, we every other year we go weren't down. To I mean, weren't you just there like last week? Well, it, it was a couple of months ago. Um, <laughs> yes, I was fortunately there with the other side of the family. Can you pick a different um, state? <laughs> I know. Yeah, we don't have a lot of variety, do we? Uh, so Why not I, Alaska? You know, it's funny when I when I told my family the best dates that work for this. You know, we we plan this. You know pretty much a year ago, I said, well, in case the Colts make the Super Bowl. Going to Disney? Well, I I said, in case the Colts make the Super Bowl, we're not not Disney bound just yet. Uh, In case they make the Super Bowl, mid-February would work best, because that'll fall right in between potential Super Bowl and the Combine. And also, I I usually like this time of year, because it's NBA All-Star break. And for those that don't know, I host a morning show from 7 to 10 a.m. And so we talk a lot of Pacers as well on that show. Well, I guess I got two of the three right. I got the all-star break right, and I got the we're still a couple weeks out from the combine. I did not get the Colts in the Super Bowl part right, (laughs) but I did get the Colts still in the news cycle a couple days after the Super Bowl. I was getting really nervous there for a minute. Um, I know probably very few people care about my, my lifestyle, but what I'm getting at is this. I think we have exhausted the head coach talk for the last month and a half sure we'll have assistant hires and coordinator hires over the next week we'll recap that on a podcast starting um, I guess just before the beginning of the the beginning of the uh of the combine and we'll start ranking free agents because uh, one of my favorite pods we do every year green yellow red slot the free agents into those categories green you want to bring back yellow a little on the fence red you do not we'll do that on the podcast when we come back we'll probably do that honestly Monday the 27th and uh, we'll have a lot of combine coverage then the rest of that week. Ooh, I'm excited. He's Eddie Garrison. I'm Kevin Bowen. Everybody have a great, great week. We'll talk to you in two weeks. 107.5 The Fan. Tons of written content on Shane Steichen.